0: Trash Cinema. Hey, welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Trash Cinema. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest today, uh, Kersey. And uh, his selection was the two Crank movies, which I'm more than happy to revisit. I haven't seen them since they came out. And uh, for the most part on this show, we've been talking about movies that are truly awful. Um, but, you know, we can't just talk about terrible movies. That's not what Trash Cinema is about. Uh, a lot about what cinema is is taking movies that bombed and we liked them and talking about them, and, like say, "Screw the critics," and we kind of like hoist them up. Then we take movies that are purposely trashy. I believe Crank fits perfectly. It's our modern day exploitation film.
1: I think. Well, I think that actually falls under two categories. Crank was kind of like really studio, but then Crank High Voltage was very bizarre and just out there. And I think that one kind of epitomizes more trash cinema.
0: Yeah, like, the the second one definitely goes full bore and the funny thing is the budget's almost double of the first one. You, I'm just Lionsgate must have been like, you know what, guys, just do whatever you want. Here you go.
1: <laughs> I think they just like took most of that money though. I can't I when you look at the two movies I don't see a budget difference.
0: No, I don't. I was surprised when it said twenty million. Though Wikipedia sometimes is way off on these kind of no, things. Uh, So the first one, here's the thing is, I've never even heard of Neville Dean Taylor before this. Do you know where they came from? I'm trying to look it up online. It's like they came out of nowhere.
1: Right. They're kind of bizarre. They uh, they made Gamer, right? Right. Right. It seems like they kind of seem like they have something to say in Hollywood, but it's kind of bogged down by just kind of their really guerrilla-style filmmaking.
0: Yeah, it feels like the studios are trying to mold them into something that they're not. And yeah. They just see like, whoa, fifty million dollars. That'll bring a lot of attention. Like, there's really no reason they did Ghost Rider or Game. Okay, I know some people who love Gamer. I am not a fan. Uh, uh, I, only, I wasn't. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I wasn't huge on
0: that one. Yeah, I'm only big on the Crank movies. Even Pathology, I thought was kind of boring.
1: I have not seen that one.
0: Yeah, so they did Crank, Pathology, then I think Crank Two. No, no, I'm sorry. Gamer, Crank Two, then Ghost Rider. And uh, it just seems like they're having trouble finding themselves in Hollywood, which uh, would explain why they were fired from Jonah Hex. Did you know that they were the directors?
1: Uh, I didn't. I, yeah, I did not know that they were the original directors.
0: Yeah, they were signed. This is—it's the, the funniest game. Uh, we are kind of got off on a tangent here, but uh, they were hired to do uh, the uh, Jonah Hex with um, Josh Brolin, and Josh Brolin what? got them fired. But if they had originally gone with who was connected to it, it was uh Thomas Jane was originally signed on to do Jonah Hex. Mm-hmm. But the Neville, Dean and Taylor, they thought he wasn't big enough star to get the movie going. So yep. they, by by pushing him aside and taking Josh Brolin on, they got themselves fired. It's almost like swift justice.
1: Yeah, a little bit there.
0: But at the same time that movie sucked and uh it's it's good they all kind of avoided the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I don't I think that concept might have been a little doomed from the start. Yeah.
0: Uh, So, Crank, uh, the concept is actually extremely simple. It's just basically they drug him, and he's got to keep his heart going no matter what, to keep the adrenaline pumping.
1: Yeah, extremely simple, extremely effective, uh, because it leads this pathway to uh, so many different ways you can turn the movie. And uh, the idea is that the body can uh, quickly adapt to any sort of adrenaline or any sort of stimuli, so you have to keep upping the ante every time. Right. Which makes it really interesting, because at first, you know, he's just drinking what, well, like Monster Energy drinks and driving fast, then eventually he you know, has to stand on a motorcycle and fling himself off into the people. You know, it's it, it's a good way to keep the action moving, uh, especially since it's like he can't stop. Yeah, he basically, he just can't stop moving. So it's interesting. It's a great idea, great concept. But my main problem was that it felt very studio. It was very streamlined. You know, they had the whole love interest that was just kind of useless and pointless. And uh, it, it felt very safe. You know, like, it didn't... Uh, for instance, they, there was, like, this huge problem with using the word cunt, I think. Uh, they could only use it once, I think, was, like, the big deal. And they had they even uh, put it on his forehead in a, uh, one scene. Yeah,
0: well, That's, it's it. different. The attitude in the UK with that word is completely different in America.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So selling yep. it overseas might not have been a problem, but in America, they're like, hold on a second.
1: Yeah, but then when you look into, like, the second one... There was so much more in terms of, like, racially, what they could say, what they couldn't say. And I think they used the word cut seven to eight times.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he also drops, uh, you know, uh, homophobic terms quite a few times. It's weird that we're supposed to find him to be the hero. I don't know if that's even the intention of the directors. It's just because we're used to Jason Statham being a hero? He's not really that good of a guy. He's an assassin. He does all these terrible things just to stay alive. So he's more, obviously, definitely anti-hero. Yeah,
1: and you could even make an argument maybe perhaps a full-on villain in the second movie. Yeah,
0: They're, uh, the first one is almost... Well, actually, both of them are kind of like road trip movies, except that you never actually leave the city. But it has that kind of pace. You know how road trip movies, it has one main storyline, but it has like bits and pieces, like episodes throughout. It's like that every five minutes in Crank, is that you never get bored because... Uh, he's here for like five minutes and move on, move on, move on, move on. It's just like a road yeah. trip just in that one place.
1: Yeah, but the, the, actually both movies are heavily influenced by Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I mean, it, it basically when I was watching it again, if you have like a little star counter at the top of the screen, you re- really couldn't tell the difference.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, there's a lot of, like, uh, little things dropped here and there. Like, I remember seeing, like, I think it was Robotron or Galaga or something like that dropped into one sequence. These guys are big gamer fans, and I think that's why they took the Project Gamers, because that's kind of the attitude and style that they have, is the new way of uh, filmmaking, fast editing, video game attitude. I could be wrong on that one.
1: I don't know, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see a lot of different sort of elements of video games that are kind of put into it. Uh, I also really dig the style that they that they do. Uh, they kind of introduce kind of new concepts. Maybe not so much new concepts, but they at least try different things for their movies. For instance, in the first one, uh, when he was on phone call with somebody, like it would be projected on the wall that he's running by. Uh, things like that that are sort of uh, very unique to things I haven't seen like that before.
0: Yeah, I think a- a movies are starting to copy what they were doing at the time. Even Scott Pilgrim, as groundbreaking as that movie is, there's bits and pieces, I'm like, That feels like something they might have seen in Crank. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's there's things that you see now in TV shows and movies that they did 10 years ago in the first movie that are just now becoming normal.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, the funny thing is a lot of the stuff, the way they cut the budget was um, the setups were extremely fast and there was no real camera machinery. They would just grab the camera on rollerblades and someone would pull them around. Uh
1: Yeah. yeah, Nadine and Taylor both had A and B cameras. One do close-ups and one would do the, uh, you know, pull-back shots. And that's just basically how they would just roll, just do like one huge take and then just cut it up into a bunch of different pieces.
0: I kind of wish movies were made more like that because, uh, you know, there's some movies that require – I don't want to see a sword and sorcery movie with this kind of filmmaking. Yeah. But there's a lot of movies that are just so stale and just sit there. And uh, you know the budget goes crazy because they spend the entire day setting up the shot. But it seems unnecessary. These guys, they saw this and they go, "You know what? We can shoot this in a month." And they did thirty-one days to shoot the first crank, and yeah. uh, you know the rest was probably in editing. But you save yourself a lot of cash by not uh, taking forever just to set up one shot.
1: It was also very, oh, yeah, it was also very conducive to Jason Statham because he's notoriously just does not redo his action scenes. He just does one take.
0: Well, it's surprising he did almost every single thing in this movie. I didn't know that he was that was real when he's hanging from the helicopter. I thought, oh, yeah, oh they they're don't... just hanging ten feet off the air, making it look real. No, they're really up in the air. I was surprised. Yeah, the guy, the yeah. guys have guts. The one thing that bothers me about Jason Statham is that he rarely ever accepts projects like this, or or is allowed to do projects like this. It's almost yeah. he's like our generation's Charles Bronson, where most of his movies are the same formula, generic. There's nothing surprising about it.
1: The, yeah, the first Crank movie, that was uh, there was some trouble in that one. He, uh, at first, didn't want to do it just because he didn't feel like he was funny enough to fit that character. So it seems like he's kind of putting himself in that sort of Charles Bronson box where it's like, I don't know if I'm able to go out and do these sorts of things.
0: Yeah. it's. So uh,
1: I'm, glad that, I'm glad he did Crank, too, because hopefully that gave him a bigger ego boost to do sort of more movies like that, because he's really good in those. Well, I, I, I think he's great in those movies.
0: Yeah, I think he's very funny. I think he forgets. I mean, he had just done... Uh, uh, what is the, the, the Theft movie with Mark Wahlberg again? Mark Wahlberg? You know Ooh. Mark Wahlberg's throwing... Italian Job. I don't know why I yeah. forgot that. Italian Job. He was really charming and kind of lightly funny in that movie. And I don't understand. Maybe he just doesn't think he's funny, but he actually is very, very good. He has excellent timing.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, I think that... I don't know. This kinda, it's kind of tricky to speculate on why he thinks he's not funny i can't understand why he's just i think because he has like this very deadpan he just doesn't think people will catch on right Uh, but you know like insert anyone else into the into crank too most people probably would be repulsed by him right
0: right he has to have some sort of charm and desperation for you to kind of feel where he's going uh i was listening to an interview with the director of this and he said they originally went to nicholas cage but he was too expensive. So that's when they, like, let's look outside the box of who would be a good fit for this. That's when they went to him.
1: God, now I'm just thinking of, like, what Nick Cage would be like. I know.
0: I think it would be just as entertaining, just a different kind of entertaining.
1: A lot more screaming and a big hairpiece is all it's (laughs) here.
0: Yeah, I I don't think you'll ever see Nicolas Cage with the same hairdo that Jason Statham has.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, The one thing that I thought was interesting is that last year he realized that he has hit a wall with those, you know, straight up action movies. And he went to his agents and said, I gotta change the direction. That's why he's doing Spy, that's why he, uh Furious Seven, stuff like that. He I think he realizes that he only has a few more years before he's straight to video. So it's it's smart thinking on his part. Yeah. But I hope that he comes up with another I know there's not gonna be a crank three, at least not with him. But I, well, I wish
1: I Left the door open a bit and the second one. Oh,
0: well, let's get to the second one. So uh, the first one, he ends up falling out of the helicopter and landing on a car.
1: Uh, they, they did that in that really cool like 8-bit or almost like computer, uh, old video gaming style where he's falling out. and Yeah. Uh, it... Then smash cut to the video of him hitting the ground. <laughs> and then a Chinese, Chinese guys in the van just get a snow shovel and just shuck him right into the van and drive off, and that's how it starts.
0: Yeah, I wonder, the second one didn't do anywhere nearly as well as the first one. I think it did about 50% of the business. Yeah, I did um, not. You know, if there had just been one Crank movie, it would have been fine, because it's kind of hard to believe that he would have lived. But the second movie goes in such an insane turn beyond reality. like yeah. Like you said, it's a live-action video game. It doesn't yeah. matter. The reality is gone. This is their own world, so therefore, I bought into it. If they yeah, hadn't exactly. gone crazy, I wouldn't have...
1: You know, I, uh, you know, I'm i dating uh, and this the girl I'm dating now. Uh, I just showed her some clips from the movie. I was like, you're not going to believe the kind of stuff you're going to see. Like, this, you can't believe that this is a movie. And she was pretty entertained by it, if not just for the how insane it goes. So if you're on the fence about it, I would say just check it out just for curiosity's sake.
0: The, the first trailer that came out, when he's attaching the uh, jumper cables to his nipple and his tongue, I, yeah. I immediately went, I have to see this. I yeah, have kind to of see this. that's the money this.
2: shot of the movie, really. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the thing. This time around, his heart has been taken out completely, and yeah. it's been replaced with uh, one that has a low battery on it. I don't...
1: No, it's... A, yeah, it's an Avicor, uh, uh, Abicor, uh, heart. It's, uh, artificial. Avicor artificial heart is what it's called.
0: And I, I guess the reason it has a low battery is because it's only intended to keep him alive long enough so they can get the rest of the organs. They're going to take a sh- uh schlong, too, which makes them wake oh, up and go, yeah.
1: gotta get out of here! <laughs> yeah that's how we escape yeah no yeah the heart system's only uh supposed to keep you alive uh for a couple of days awaiting transplants uh they actually i was surprised they actually did the research on on this on this artificial heart this the 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 yeah, the little science that doc miles uses is actually pretty accurate to how it actually works oh and i was that was pretty cool and Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. No, sorry.
0: Uh, Dwight Yoakam, uh, I have to say, is truly entertaining in this movie. He also just like lets loose and just whatever the director said, hey, go with this. Go, you know, he just like says, sure. Uh, I yeah. think it's my favorite performance of his.
1: Yeah, you know what? what was really weird though, and part of the, uh, of course, they have to insert some kind of gaming stuff, and this time they actually uh, enter Mortal Kombat, uh that his assist that Doc Miles' assistant was playing, yeah. and I believe she was playing on a Commodore sixty four controller. Which is just a joystick and one button. So I have no idea how the hell you'd he actually play Mortal Kombat with no. one button. But...
0: Man, he must have had like some sort of emulator. That's all I can think of. Maybe it was an emulator that also took like Atari uh, inputs. You know those those cheap ones that you can put like cartridges in? Atari, Nintendo Genesis.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It had to be one of those. That or it's just purely for visual. It, there's no sense it, to it. It
1: was purely for visual. There wasn't any health bars. It was it was obviously a trailer that they were watching, but you know, she's just playing around with the joystick pretending that she was actually playing. I I don't know if that was intended to be a joke, but I was kind of really confused by that part. Uh,
0: So basically he has to build up energy in this one, and the crazy things, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the same formula of the first movie, but this time it's just, it's taking a whole different direction, almost cartoonish, like you said, video game. Um, The the characters are so over the top. Bai Ling is my favorite character in this movie, because she's (laughs) so, just, I have no idea what she's doing.
1: Well, what she was doing was being on drugs because that, that was I, – I don't know if she went to rehab before or after that movie. I'd like to think it was after. Um, yeah, she she was just nuts. I don't know what she was saying half the time, if it was written, if she just was going on with it. Because I know that she actually is a pretty decent actress. Uh, she made this movie called Dumplings. Uh, you can actually I, – I, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix anymore, but you can check it out. It's actually She actually does a really good job. Uh, and she actually does understand the art of subtlety in her acting. So I, I don't really, I don't really know if this was either, if it was just, she was really high at the time making this, which could definitely be a possibility, uh, if this was written or if this was just off the top of her head, but she is just crazy.
0: And I think on the opposite end, you have Corey Haim, who now is clean for the first time in years (laughs) for his final performance, I think. Uh, He actually does a pretty decent job. He was in more of it than I expected. But, man, that mullet looks so obvious. If you look at the back.
1: It's terrible. But, again, it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's just obviously, like, just tacked on. I don't know if they meant it to look that shitty, but um, I was actually just pleased to see that he was on there. Uh, It's a good final performance.
1: Yeah, that uh, flashback with his really obese uh, black girlfriend was, uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, Yeah, he was actually in it for a while. It seems like, it would have just been like, oh hey, here's Corey Haye Now let's go on to the movie. But he actually comes back, I think, a couple times.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He comes uh, in throughout the movie. Uh, who's uh, Carlos? Uh, oh, I can't remember. He he's uh, an actor you see a lot. He was in uh, 187. He's the one with the huge mustache at the end with the huge shades. His brother was the one that was killed in the first movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, but you see him every once in a while. And there are certain moments I will say in this movie where it kind of makes you slightly uncomfortable because it's. Uh, it's taking stereotypes almost to the top, like absolute full tilt buggy, and you're just like, I, were they okay with this? I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that was that was bizarre. He was just like, yeah, he made that guy cut off his nipples, and then all of a sudden he's just like doing this weird dance and singing.
0: Yeah, it's it, I, they must have just said, you know what? Do whatever you want with this role, and we're cool with that. It's uh, yeah. Clifton Collins Jr. I forgot.
1: Uh, uh, I don't know, but yeah, it's like you're gonna get your paycheck either way. Just do whatever you want.
0: And uh, lastly, I should mention David Carradine. Oh, that, that's yeah. the other one where you're like, wow, was he okay with this? Because I know he's known for playing an Asian in Kung Fu, but that was the 70s. This is like 35 years later.
1: Yeah, well, and this was one of his last movies that he did before he uh, ended up killing himself, I think. I looked up his IMDb, and he's got a ton of movies that came out after his death. So,
0: yeah, some of the uh, lower budget movies they sit around forever because they can't afford post production or just it's more cost effective to take your time with it. Yeah. But uh, he still has a movie that has never been finished. It's not going to be finished. I don't know why it's even on here. He's been making a movie since the '70s called Matahari. Oh God. Yeah, he. Uh, my favorite book of all time. It's supposed to be something that's uh, really artistic and poetic. It's not. Uh, yeah. Well, not in the the typical terms. There's a movie called uh, Lonesome Highway that he wrote. Um, Mm -hmm. It was about six years before he came back with Kill Bill. And basically it's all these stories. The thing is huge. It is the biggest book I've ever read. It's like a thousand pages. And he talks about how he would do all these crappy movies for Roger Corman, which basically destroyed his career, so that he could make Mata Hari. It cost him so much money, he never finished it. Mm. Which is kind of a shame. Hopefully someone could patch it together.
2: Mm
1: uh I, one more thing i I had a couple things written down one of the things that i uh really liked about the second one uh was that they actually made fun of their emotional climax of the first movie because that was i think probably the worst part about it yeah uh, when he's falling out of the helicopter and calls his girlfriend i mean that's stupid of course that's not gonna work you know it, when you're falling that fast you're just gonna hear
0: wind yeah that or you won't get service that high up there
1: exactly so the second one just made fun of that idea you know the, answering machine just plays wind sounds and yeah i thought that was i thought that was great that they were at least self-aware that uh their first movie kind of seemed a little studio-ish for their style
0: i actually know somebody who was in both of these movies really yeah he's only in each one of them for like a minute he's the reporter ted garcia Oh, really? yeah, he was telling me the other day he's like, "Uh, yeah, the first one's so much better than the second one. I was like, uh, I, uh, don't know, I would say the exact opposite, but that just depends <laughs> on your taste in movies <laughs> yeah well you you had some other notes. I'm sorry, Go
1: ahead. uh no just the last thing i I- wrote down was, I don't know, I got two more things uh the e r doctor uh was Glenn howerton, oh yes, excellent, uh yeah, he came back for the second one and got shot in the face.
0: What's <laughs> the most horrific?" I just kept waiting. I was like, I know the ball's going to fly through somehow, but oh, I didn't cool. expect yeah. him to die. That was
1: That was a bizarre scene. Uh I don't know that lady was a therapist or what, uh or what. He was I'm assuming it was therapy, but she was just talking about sex the whole time. Yeah. And again, it's one of those weird concepts they had that they just kind of went with. And it's hilarious and I love it
0: yeah you know, the funny thing is everybody kind of has a wrap-up i mean there really doesn't need to be a part three almost everybody has even the small characters they wrap up their story so there really isn't a need for part three but at the end he basically bursts into a ball of flames and they put him out they wrap him up and he's sitting well in the bed he
1: flips off the camera too that's the last thing he does
0: yeah like, i kind of i kind of wish the movie had just ended that way as a big screw you to like it's kind of like saying screw you to what you expect from a mainstream movie yeah. But then at the end, he's still alive. You're like, ah, oh, well, okay.
1: Yeah, like how, what else can they do to, like, yeah, like the idea of him having to increase his adrenaline, that's awesome. The idea that he has to keep his body electrically charged. What else can you do, really? Yeah, I... I mean, without I, it being contrived that we've already, it's like, all right, we've already seen it twice now. It's enough of this.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they were gonna have him on fire for the entire movie, or like he he constantly like bursts into flames. He has to freeze himself, you know, like he's constantly putting like coolant on himself and walking in the freezers. I don't know, but I'm, it's kind of good that it just ended.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there needs to be a third one.
0: Now, normally on this show, we have that moment where we're like, do we recommend this movie? Do we not recommend this movie? I don't even think this is up for debate. I recommend both of these. Oh, totally. Yeah, this is probably the best movies we've discussed so far. Is there some? like these uh these movies that have this exploitation grindhouse attitude that just they're not they're not one of those movies you know you find on Netflix where it's just like oh, that's purposely trash. This is a good idea by good directors with a good actor. it's just done in a drive in way, yeah, you never get bored
1: no, no never
0: all right, so I think that's it for us here at trash cinema. uh thank you, Kersey, for being on the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. And everybody, check us out on Facebook. We're under Retro Rocket Entertainment. And let us know if there's any movies you want us to discuss. And that's it for the night. Thank you. Trash Cinema. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Trash Cinema. This week, I think... Uh, we're going to actually nominate our first uh, Hall of Fame Trash Cinema star, and it's going to be Kevin Sorbo, because uh, we watched God's Not Dead and Pool Boy, and I started looking over his whole uh, whole world of film, and I'm realizing that he should be nominated. But first, before we get into that, I'm your host, Michael, my co-host...
1: Kirstie.
0: Uh So this was kind of a discussion we had whether or not we should do God's Not Dead... And Pool Boy, and we're like, well, should we do Call the Conqueror or throw something else in? And, uh, I think we have a good double feature here. But just in general, though, I think Kevin Sorbo should be our first nominee for the Hall of Fame of Trash Cinema.
1: Well, I, I, think, he, I think he fits.
0: It's just like, uh, what, what's required is, um, almost a sense of cluelessness when it comes to what's good and what's bad. He just takes whatever he takes, and, uh... I've noticed that the fun version of Kevin Sorbo that started off in Hercules is pretty much dead now. I, I, he seems to be really bitter. Have you ever read any news articles uh, during his whole promotion of God's Not Dead?
1: Oh, God, he's such a douchebag. He
0: is. He's really bitter, and he keeps blaming like stupid things for his unsuccessful career. You know what? If you work as long as he has worked, the man's almost 60. He's been working for almost 30 years. Be grateful for what you do get not what you don't get it's ridiculous because i mean hercules was camp it is essentially my generation's version of batman yeah the one
1: though though i think the one thing you could say to sum up the entirety of hercules is disappointed
0: (laughs) i actually quite like the humor of it but the special effects are hideous but it's it's from sam raimi's company so it has a real cheeky quality to it and uh I, I feel like he is uh, he's really good at comic timing, but he has a, he does not have a strong sense of reality anymore. I don't know if that comes with age. Um, yeah, or- it's
1: the exact same thing I was thinking because like when we watch Pool Boy Two Drowning Out the Fury, which is the the whole title of that movie, yeah. he does have really good comedic timing in a lot of in a lot of parts, and the humor really works. Uh, but yeah, it's just for some reason he's just uh, insane. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous. He's like, oh, I had two successful TV shows, and I got I used to get ten pilots a season that I would read for, and now I get nothing. Well, that just happens, dude. It, of all those pilots that he did, none of them got picked up. Andromeda was what ten years ago. That's a long. Yeah, well, time it was ago.
1: probably. Go ahead. Probably because of the atheists, you know.
0: Yeah, he he blames that. He blames the fact that he is a Christian. And, uh, I don't want to go off on a religious turn here, but the fact that he sits there and blames atheism for his, uh, atheists hating his Christianity for him not getting work is ridiculous. Because you watch Pool Boy, Pool Boy, he sits there with a a stripper with tits in his mouth and saying motherfucker and being covered in gore. Don't tell me, don't play the Christian angle (laughs) if you're going to do that.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know he was a Christian until he was, you know, a dick about it.
0: I feel like he's kind of playing up that angle. I think some people, I th- I call it Christploitation is yeah. what uh, this new run of movies are because it seems like they're playing down to Christianity instead of uh, playing it up. They're so heavy handed. God's not dead. I-, I worried about doing this because I know that there are people who love this movie and I'm completely clueless as to why. And... uh, uh- it is it's not about the religious part. It's about the fact that it's a shitty movie. It is so yeah, I mean, bad like when
1: I, oh. I was watching it. what what the hell is going got? There was so many. like it, to be fair, it could have been a decent movie if they made it an anthology. But like to try to make this Tarantino esque style movie, there's like all these storylines. The point of like Tarantino's—it's not even Tarantino who created this type of storytelling—but when you make a story with multiple storylines, they have to converge at some point. Otherwise, you're just wasting our time.
0: Yeah, they—they they barely connect. In fact, I think there's a couple that don't really connect at all. They just like add like a little piece to make sure it takes place in the same universe, but they're not—they're not. Yeah. They're not uh, intri- what's the word I'm looking for? Intr- intrinsic? I don't know. They're Inter- not. Really, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stupid sometimes. Uh, they're not that connected. It's just there to be there. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you, you, like you said, Pulp Fiction isn't the one who started it, but they are the one who popularized it. I can't talk this morning, people. I apologize. I was up all night. <laughs> uh, so it's like one of these trends that just won't go away, but this is the one where they should have focused on the core story. If there was any story that had interest at all, it is the main story of Kevin Sorbo as the teacher who is trying to force his students to say God's dead if he want if they want to continue in his class. That's the 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 main focus of the story and the only one that even has any mild interest to it.
1: Uh you know what there, there's only one other thing I actually think they should have focused on uh the the gal that was whose father was like really Muslim. I think that one had more potential because it actually felt authentic when she was sitting in the car and he was saying that, you know, this world isn't isn't about us because, you know, these people aren't us. And I only the only reason I say this is because I love you. It felt authentic, like this is a real conversation that can happen. And I was kind of blown away for a second. I was like, "Oh, I just had to sit through like one of the most dumb, racist stories and then now I get to this one that actually feels real." And her story is so short. I think if you just take all of her bits out, it's probably like five minutes.
0: Yeah, you know what? I, I even completely forgot about that storyline because I would say it's probably, if you summed up everything, it's five minutes of the movie. It, yeah. These are like a collection of shorts that might have been put together. I feel like they're a collection of shorts that are put out there for funding and say, hey, watch this five-minute short. This is the idea we're trying to get across. Can you guys give us $5 million to put this movie together? and they're like wait a minute we already have kind of a movie and then they're just trying to try to weave it together it, it's it bothers me the the whole movie's so disjointed dean kane uh his whole thing is completely pointless it's so empty headed
1: well the, i i actually have a huge problem with the main storyline because if you remember a while back this is it was really popular to have like those things on facebook those stories like oh, there was this atheist professor who got on a soapbox and said, God, knock me down. It's like, that that doesn't happen in college. I mean, I feel like this is what people who don't go to college, imagine what college is. It's just like a a, uh, propaganda factory to try to get you to lose your faith. And that's not what it's about at all. I took a class about atheism. like I took a philosophy of atheism course taught by a very prominent atheist uh, speaker. He's not you know Daniel Dennett or Richard Dawkins per se, but I mean he is well respected in his field. He never once uh tried to proclaim that God wasn't real or tried to uh disprove anybody's faith. It was more about uh you know how you handle an argument how you talk to people about their beliefs it was it was very it was more respectful than, than anything yeah the uh... so this this idea is basically like, oh, you remember those annoying things you used to get on Facebook about how some Christian kid uh, defeated his atheist professor? Well, here's a movie about it. So I, I don't like that story.
0: Yeah, it, um, they say at the end of the movie that there's a whole history of cases where people were condemned for their religious beliefs, and I have to actually look them up to see if they're skewed, which I, I feel like they probably are in the direction they want it to go. I don't know the whole history of that kind of thing, but uh, they take... They take um, anybody who's not Christian in this movie and make them a villain, an enemy. Instead of just being normal people, I have Christian friends. I'm not a Christian anymore, but um, I never see it. There's, it's extremely rare to find someone so uh, black and white, like the way it is in this movie. They almost do this to make it more palatable. They need a villain, so therefore they make Kevin Sorbo's character almost like lunatic with yeah. his his ideas it's like no nobody would ever do that nobody would bully their students into this some people are flawed and they come to their beliefs for certain reasons now i kind of like the fact they actually gave him a reason for being it instead of just being like nope I'm, that's it i'm, I'm a blank slate i was born thinking uh uh that god is dead and i'm gonna stay that way they actually gave him some sort of reason for it so i'll give him the credit for that but, yeah,
1: I'd like to take that credit away, because it, it, it kind of made it seem like every person who's atheist just has, you know, some trauma in their past that they can't get over. I, I, felt, I felt like it was kind of a bad message in general.
0: Well, I guess, I guess I'm not saying the fact that they gave him a reason. Uh, hard to explain. Uh, religion is a very difficult thing to discuss, because you don't want to get misconstrued. But right. it, they gave a reason. Not that re- that particular reason. I'm not saying the fact that he turned his back on because, you know, his mother died. Uh, I'm just saying they gave him some reason for his beliefs. Not uh, not the fact that it just blanket statement of like, you know, uh, I'm an atheist. I'll always be an atheist. But no reasoning behind it. Like, I mean, if they had explained, well, I've done the scientific research. They never gave him much. They didn't give him intelligence for no. anything besides his rage.
1: That was problem I had, too, was that he was such a dick to everybody even the person that he was dating
0: yeah i don't even know how they got and together he was such a that doesn't make
1: sense shit to her the whole time but yet he was like next in line to be like chair of i don't know dean of students or something like that it it, uh, it was just kind of bizarre that he was like that high up in that school and yet he was just like total piece of shit to everybody like n- that nobody who acted like he would would probably even be a teacher
0: Right? Why was she even with him in the first place, and why was he with her? I mean, didn't he? he she said, "You know, I'm a Christian, right? Why are they together? That makes no sense."
1: Well, they probably just don't talk about it as much as they as he wants to, or that she wants to. I don't know. It was probably because of a good sex. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not
0: going to go Uh So, besides the the logic of the arguments and the reasoning behind it. The other thing is the fact that it's just flat out incompetent. The acting is so bad. There are scenes so atrocious that I could barely get through it. The lead kid and his girlfriend—that is the most brutal scene uh, in the movie. Uh, I actually stopped it and walked away for days because it was I, so bad. Yeah,
1: I just skipped over it. I couldn't do it. You know, it's like, oh, my mom was right about you. Like,
0: what the hell are you talking
1: about? Uh, he's defending faith. Isn't that kind of you know what you want? Or I don't know. It, it was. It, I maybe it's because I didn't grow up in this sort of. I I kind of grew up without any religion. Uh I wasn't raised atheist or anything. It's just like my parents didn't talk about it cuz they didn't really know what to say. So, like I, so I didn't really grow up in these circles, so I don't really know what it's like. So maybe I can't comment on it, but it just seemed really weird and and fake. And she and she kind of seemed mean anyway. I didn't really like her.
0: Yeah. Um I did grow up in this kind of environment and for every person that uh here's a weird thing. Um one on one, things are a lot different than their, than group mentality. I fear yes. churches. I grew up in churches and then slowly realized that uh, it was like this competition to see who was better, who was. Uh, it wasn't even about who was uh, more holy than the other person, you know, who who stuck to the good book more than the other person. It started to turn into this thing where, well, what is she wearing? Oh, they're poor. They shouldn't even be at this church. They should go to some low rent church. And I was like, this is nuts. And then by college, I started like. I started really reading the Bible and started like writing down all these things that made no sense to me or whatever and I started questioning them and uh, there was a point there was a breaking point because my mother and my sister were both going to the Christian college where I, was, I went to a secular college and boy they browbeat the hell out of me just constantly arguing with me. I didn't want to argue. I was just making them a statement and that's about it. We can have a discussion but not an argument and that's what it is in those kind of groups is there's this argument where they just browbeat you until you give in. Do not question things. I was like, well, no, I have a brain. I have a high IQ. I'm an educated man. I want to question these things. And yeah. that's one of the things they actually fear. And, uh, wow, he we really went off on a tangent. This isn't, it's about the movie, but it's not really about the movie. Um,
1: well, I'll, I'll jump back to the movie really quickly because I just wanted to say that the arguments, you know, he had to defend uh, God in three classes and 20-minute periods. First of all, the last one, which was like the big one, was an appeal to emotion. It had nothing to do with whether or not God was real. It was just about uh, faith in general, which I thought was kind of what I, I guess is important because you find out that his mom died, that's why he doesn't believe in God. But it doesn't really make sense. Like if you're supposed to prove that God exists, why are you talking about a free will? That doesn't make any sense. So I, didn't, I thought the writing was really lackluster in that area, and the arguments on both sides are just terrible. They're just appeals to authority on the atheist side, and the other one is just like appeal to emotion on the other side.
0: What the movie feels like, and there are some decent religious movies out there, but they are very few and far between. Um, what hampers this movie is it feels like a Fox News version of a movie. where they're trying to bait you. They don't want real discussion. They want you to get angry. They want you to get fired up because that's the way our news works now. They don't care so much about facts and explaining things thoroughly. They want bits and pieces to get your interest, to get you uh, revved up and uh, just, you know, just, oh, how dare they, Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what people want. and That's what sells. And that's the sad part is God's Not Dead is a really, really fucking terrible movie. And it made a, a ton of cash. Because it got people fired up, yeah. Um, the, you know, I, I think also it's because of the budgets. You know, not a lot of people are going to fund these movies, even though they make a lot of money. It's 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 an exploitation genre right now, and um, you know, oh, they cost like two two and a half million dollars. There's this one guy. Do you know the blonde guy in the movie? Uh, his car dies, or, and then he rents a car, and it dies. That guy,
1: other card says, yeah, that yeah, yeah, was that's weird. the
0: guy who runs this company that makes all of these movies. Oh my god! Yeah, he—you look on the video shelves, and you would see, a, like, every couple of months, a movie starring him will pop up, or co-starring him. Uh, and I feel like he is playing people. I feel like. That was he, a weird
1: storyline too? What? What the hell? Like, so God's basically testing everybody's faith in this movie. And he's a pastor, so his should be like something more extreme. His is, oh, I can't get to Disneyland.
0: Yeah, that, his story that was is, really weird. that's
1: his test of God, you know. Like, every everybody else had like these really like the kid, the main kid was gonna possibly fail a class, and that would ruin his chance for a future career as a lawyer. The uh, uh, the Arab girl was beaten by her dad, like all these things happening and his was so easy and yeah, lackluster his
0: wouldn't even be good enough for an episode of seventh heaven it was it was not yeah. even applied it was like a segue to uh something else you just keep waiting and you're like what is this he's sitting in his office most of the time because the budget is probably like a buck fifty so yeah i'll give him credit he's making a profit off of these movies but he's also playing people
1: yeah i, I could see that
0: all right so uh off on that uh that part uh kevin Sorbo in general i uh, we want to i want to talk about call of Conqueror really bad but this seemed like it was more important well i want to say call of Conqueror is definitely I don't, have you ever seen it
1: uh, i haven't seen it yet no
0: this is the one that was supposed to make him a big star they released it on the holiday weekend it was supposed to be the new version of conan the barbarian and it, oh, yeah, heard it's, it. they said it cost 35 million dollars but you watch it you're going no, this is pretty much the same as Hercules. Are you sure it's the thirty-five million dollars? Who stole most of the budget? It's really, really bad. The worst part is the fact that they play heavy metal music over sword and sorcery, and that make, has never made sense to me. Only works if they ever made like an Iron Maiden movie or a Black Sabbath movie, because otherwise, no, I don't want to hear. Woo, 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 <laughs> oh God, that sounds awful. Uh, he did make one good movie, and that's one that we're going to discuss next. Is Pool Boy.
1: Yeah, I really want to talk about this one just because nobody's seen it and I feel this is a really underrated or like under known comedy.
0: Yeah, it's I had to find it. I found it on Popcorn Flicks. It wasn't on Netflix or YouTube or anywhere I could find. And uh, it's kind of a shame because it is lunatic. This has the same kind of energy that the guys who did Crank. You know, they're just like, whatever we want to put in, we're going to put in.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like to commend this movie as the most joke-heavy movie I've ever seen. It's Every good. scene has, like, ten different jokes a minute, and it's all different kinds. There's, like, there's different kinds of visuals, there's irony, um, there's uh, racist humor, there's all these different kinds of humor that they throw at you. in uh, in second, like, I was actually... I remember that uh, scene in the cop car, uh, and they... Uh, saw Toot and Timmy, the only uh, raping clown in town. Remember that scene? Oh yeah, yeah,
0: the one where he's eating the huge sub.
1: Yes, yeah, I yeah. tried to count as many jokes in that scene, and it was probably, uh, it was probably only about thirty seconds long when they're sitting in the car. Yeah, and I counted like twenty different kinds of jokes in there. It was just, it, and again, yeah, it's like Craig. It's just like anything we want, we're just gonna throw everything we got at this thing.
0: <laughs> the the guy that's eating the sub with the huge mustache. That's yeah, Stan Winston. Yeah, the
1: kid. sub was like twenty feet long.
0: Yeah, that's Stan Winston's kid. Oh, really? Yeah, Matt Winston. I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. I posted a picture last night to his page. I was like, "My God, that's a huge uh, mustache, even a bigger sandwich." <laughs> <laughs> There's so many throwaways. I mean, Jason Mewes pops up for like two minutes or whatever, and everything yeah. it just kills. There, the that's guy who it. plays Saint James, Saint James, is one of the funniest guys I think preacher. I've ever seen.
1: No, that was, I thought that was great. Had, actually, Jason Mew's little, a little, there. uh, he had like one of my favorite parts, but he was just blowing back into the Capri and is like, man, I wish I could just refill these things.
0: That'd be <laughs> <a bomb." laughs> well, I love the fact that they can't pay him, they can't pay him anything, so he can't talk because he can yeah, only get I- extra pay. So they have his voice dubbed over by St. James, St. James, who appears in so much of this movie. <laughs> So basically yeah. the plot of Pool Boy is it's supposed to be like a real cheap, shitty, uh, almost like um, there's, there was a market in the 80s and early 90s. The Italian uh, cinema would take something that was popular in America and then do like 100 versions of that for themselves, but on a much, much lower budget. Like Rambo is huge. So therefore they made tons of Rambo ripoffs and uh, Escape from New York ripoffs and Mad Max and stuff like that. And they always had like one barely American star you know, like oh, this guy was on a TV show for a couple seasons, or he was in yeah. a minor hit, and they would put him in it just to get some sort of sales, and uh, and then throw like Ernest Borgnine or somebody who's way past their prime in it, and it would always go straight to video. This is what this movie is like, but if it, if it was never finished and it just sat on the shelf for thirty years, yeah. And it's, oh, God, it's genius. It's so offensive, though. Oh, my God. It oh is my, so yeah. I, Holy I, crap.
1: My, my favorite joke in that entire thing probably is the, what's the difference between a Mexican and an elevator?
0: Oh, my God, they can raise their kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the elevator can raise a child, yeah. That's oh so God. fucking great.
0: It, it really, but it's all a joke. It's seriously, it's so tongue-in-cheek. It's yeah, supposed bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the great thing about the whole, it, it's, racist against Mexicans the entire movie but like the message of the movie is like not to be racist against black people i thought that
0: <laughs> the irony of it have you yeah. seen the uh, the director and writer they did another movie called FDR American Badass have you seen that one
1: no i, f- I kind of felt like pool boy is enough for me
0: uh, okay cuz i've i've seen it it's actually quite funny not as goes pool boy but uh, Barry Bostwick, uh, shooting werewolves from his wheelchair, just kills him. Oh, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> yeah, he plays uh, FDR, and he, uh, he blames the werewolves for putting him in the, the wheelchair. And he goes on this lunatic hunt. And at some point, Kevin Sorbo shows up as uh, Abraham Lincoln, oh and, which makes no sense. But it, it's, it's a crazy movie. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, wait, let's talk
1: about Kevin Sorbo's uh, role in Fool Boy. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, you go, go ahead.
1: Oh well, I I don't know. Like that, that's one of the few times I've ever seen Kevin Sorbo, and this was before I saw his Fox News interviews. I thought he was actually pretty pretty damn funny. I thought he was pretty charming at sometimes, with like how campy he is. Like he seems to understand like how to how to be a camp actor. Oh
0: yeah, he plays a straight. Well, it's the way Leslie Nielsen did it. You know, uh, for years Leslie Nielsen played the straight actor. You know, just the, the stiff upper lip, authority type. And then all of a sudden, Airplane comes out, and people discover that him and Lloyd Bridges and other guys, they could play funny. And Kevin was like one of those guys. And I, I guess he was in one of those shitty rip-off, uh, what do you call them, Meet the Spartans. I don't know. I've never seen it because those was, movies are painful. But I, I guess he was in like that. Like 30 seconds of it, and I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah, they're, they're awful. But I heard that he had a pretty decent part in it. and He can do comedy, but the problem is I think years of doing direct-to-video movies is just kind of like messed with his head. Because if you look at his imdb and for about 10 years there he was pretty hot he'd show up on all these like cool shows like the oc and sitcoms and stuff like that and he had development deals and they never went anywhere but then all of a sudden he just started doing like walking tall two and three and yeah. uh, never cry werewolf which is the most deliberate ripoff of fright night i've ever seen but with a werewolf instead uh i think it kind of just messed him. fame screws people up because once you have it and it's taken away it's it messes yeah. with a lot of people, and I think that's what's going on. He just needs to get a grip on reality.
1: Yeah, well, I, I he should just do more stuff like Pool Boy and just be the B actor that he can be, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, we embraced Adam West decades later. I don't know why I keep comparing Kevin Sorbo and Adam West, but it seems like kind of the same thing. Or, you know, like uh, William Shatner. We learned that he could be extremely funny. Yeah. Kevin Sorbo could uh, get a new agent and start um, putting that angle out, that he could play the the, the B movie, the parody kind of guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh yeah, I agree. I, I I again I I also think kind of imagine Adam West is kind of a similar sort of similar sort of way that he went about it. You know, like a really campy T V show back in the day and then eventually uh becoming this guy that everyone loves. I could see that with Kevin Sorbo before his box interviews. Yeah. I don't happen anymore.
0: Yeah, I, 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 the, th- the thing i was thinking is that you know he's doing these interviews he's playing it up i think he's just trying to get more roles in the religious films because that's where the money is right now yeah but he should just be who he is I, I don't like it when people play things up like that like all of a sudden oh i i don't like horror movies i've never been in a horror movie and he shows up in one it's a hit and all of a sudden that's all they do it's like yeah, yeah you know you can do other things too you can do a western action a comedy come on mix it up but I also don't know what it's like to be an actor. I mean, the fear of no longer getting calls and there's no more paychecks and you find yourself at conventions all the time begging people to show up to pay 10 bucks for a signed photo. It's it's painful.
1: 10 bucks? That's pretty fucking cheap. The well, last con I went to was like 50
0: I was exaggerating, but you know what I mean. Like, Well, there's this thing in LA where all of these actors that used to be on TV shows, they can't get work. They do it every single weekend. They show up at this convention hall. And you'll find like Eddie Munster there, and he's literally selling his signed photographs for ten bucks a piece, fifteen bucks a piece, and he's only selling uh, like six.
1: Wasn't it? What wasn't uh, Eddie Munster? Didn't he get in like a fist fight with with somebody at the Comic Con a few years back?
0: Yeah, I remember that. It was. uh it wasn't Comic Con. It was at that convention hall where they. It's like it's. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it is. I've only heard legends of it. Um, is this, this one convention hall in LA where every single weekend these actors show up and they sign photographs uh, I learned about it from David Carradine's book because he was hurt for cash and he started doing those and uh, he says it felt terrible because I used to star in studio films and now I'm in this dungey hall begging for someone to come by my booth that's horrifying
1: yeah, that's scary to think about. Because
0: it's not the same way as it is for normal people. We can not We can quit our job and go on to another job. No one gives a shit. But yeah,
1: I'm that I that my goal in life is so small because I'm just a
0: dishwasher. <laughs> but, I mean, I you, just, you go and you're in front of everybody's TV screens. You're on the big screen. And all of a sudden, you find yourself 20 years later going, I have no idea how to pay the rent. I can't go work a normal job or people bug me all the time. How did Gary yeah. Coleman handle going to uh, being a security guard?
1: Yeah, that that's the that I uh, I I have like this theory that he did it for attention because it it seems almost comical that you would have that you would put yourself out there like that. Yeah, that's true. I think he was get, hoping for well, something out.
0: like I mean rest in peace but maybe it was a pity pity thing. You know like yeah. I'm going to take this job people will notice it and then maybe they'll hire me out of pity.
1: Yeah, that's what I felt it was.
0: All right, everybody, uh we kind of gone on a little too long here. I apologize. Um so yeah, those two movies, I would say recommend Pool Boy, please. Uh, unless you're just really curious to see an incompetent movie. God's not dead. I'm not saying there's anything wrong against making religious movies. There is something wrong with making an incompetent movie. Absolutely. And that's it for us here. Uh, check us out on Facebook. We're under Retro Rocket Entertainment, and we also have a group we put together for all of the Trash Cinema podcasts, and just general podca- uh, Trash Cinema discussion. Uh, check us out on there. And that's it. Good night. Thank you. Trash Cinema. All right, everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. I'm your host, Michael, my co host today.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jacob, as always. <laughs> right?
0: Uh, no, not as always. We always do back to, in tunes together, but uh, I kind of have a revolving cast of people. Like once a week, you pop in, and someone else pops in, pop, you know, uh, I do. I, I'm sorry. Do, did I stab you in the back? Or are, are you mad at me now? You whore! I'll take any swinging dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode, we're going to discuss two legendary trash cinema films. These are basically the groundwork of. Of what uh, like the whole direct-to-video, uh, uh, Grindhouse uh, revival kind of movies are? We're gonna be talking about Toxic Avenger, and Class of Nukem High. If you were a kid in the '80s renting VHS or staying uh, uh, watching USA during the early '90s on Up All Night, did you ever see that show Up All Night with Gilbert Gottfried?
2: No, okay. oh my
0: god, it was on for like six or seven years. Okay, so there's two hosts Friday night. Sorry, people, uh, my, my sentence got screwed up. Uh, this These two movies played a lot on this show, and they were also on VHS, like, everywhere. Um, up All Night was on USA at, I believe, 10 o'clock on Fridays with Gilbert Godfrey. He'd do a double feature. And on Saturdays, comedian Rhonda Shear. holy crap, you get the chance to look up Rhonda Shear, Hubba, hubba, hubba. Um, she would do two movies. And it got so successful at one point, not only would they do the first two movies they would add another four hours on top of that. So if you were an insomniac, you had from 10 o'clock till 4 in the morning watching just tons and tons of trashy movies. And they had the whole trauma catalog. I saw so much shit. And uh, I think Gilbert quit, though, after Aladdin. I don't think he was on as long as Ronda Shear, but it was
2: sweet. Right, uh, Ronda Shear, wait, was, she- oh, wow, hello.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, my um, gosh.
2: Yes. Wow. She won Miss USA in 1975.
0: And she was also on Playboy.
2: Okay. Yeah, no wonder why I saw the naked photos. Of course. Of course. That's all <laughs> America is. America's so prudish, yet they both, they show off all this tits and ass everywhere, especially in Vegas. Oh my god. How, how hypocritical and how crazy is that?
0: <laughs> um, so... But
2: anyway, you know what? All In all honesty, free the nipple, okay? Yeah. Uh, guys are allowed to show and flaunt their tits Women can do it too. The only difference between a male breast and a female breast is that female breasts have the glands that produce milk. That's
0: it. Well, some men actually get erections over uh, women boobies, but also a context. It's context.
2: I know. Well, then those men should control their fucking urges. Big deal. It's like, like, okay, you can look and glance and then look away. Go back to whatever the fuck you were doing. Just as long as it doesn't distract you while you're driving. If it does, (laughs) that's your fault. You're a terrible fucking driver and you're reckless.
0: All right, so... Uh, Trauma Pictures was known for making just uh, kind of like Porky's style movies, you know, like the TNA movies. But they decided in 1984 to make a horror comedy superhero movie that would basically change the entire company. And uh, so, Tosk Avenger. What did you think?
2: Oh my gosh, I <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it's one of those really campy, yeah, those shitty grouse movies with terrible acting and all, but. It's just so bizarre, but so cool at the same time. It it's is. just one of those movies. It's so bad. It's so good. You it, can't help but it's like,
0: like it. The thing I love about Trauma is they thumb their nose at mainstream cinema. They basically are a do-it-yourself kind of company. And, yes, they go years between making movies because he is doing it all himself. And it's truly impressive.
2: It is. Yeah, no, I, I will say Surf Nazis must die kind of suck, but <laughs> – it was really boring and i had to fast forward it and i'm like okay okay okay, is there anything that's going to be funny showing up but i will say with um watching toxic i'm i'm used, I was so used to toxic crusaders as a kid and then watching this yeah there's a huge fucking difference i'm like okay toxic avengers was more of like a pro you know clean environment anti you know toxic waste dumps uh huh you know they're very green and then i watch this cartoon it's Nowhere near the same fucking thing. It's like, oh my god, he just rips. You know, he rips people apart, kills them. Oh,
0: it's pretty grotesque. There's a lot of gore in this one.
2: Which just, which is like one of the most uh, trademark things about trauma. They always have all the gory. They have very gory decapitations, faces melting, and tits. Oh man,
0: tons of tits.
2: Oh yes, of course, nudity. Um, Yeah, they have to pertain to the teen audience. I mean, how else do they get their product out? Like you said, they were TNA movies as well, kind of like Porky's.
0: Well, uh, Toxic Avenger actually didn't do that well when it first got released, but it ended up finding a second audience in the Grindhouse circuit, Midnight Showings, and ended up being a huge hit. I think it stuck around for over a year, and I started hearing word about this, and they got put out on video. And I saw it Kind of Young, and holy God, was it gory. I mean, I was not prepared. I think I was like nine or ten at the time. And then um, the sequels, have you seen any of the others? Uh, have you only seen the first one, or have you seen the sequels?
2: No, I've seen the sequels. <laughs> Actually, the, the fourth one's uh, on Netflix still. Yeah, is classic actually, High.
0: the entire series is on uh, Netflix right now. Uh, Trollway is really open to pretty much putting their movies everywhere. I mean, I think it's on YouTube for free. They're almost their entire catalog, and that's pretty cool because it, it keeps them going. It gets it to the next generation, the next generation, and I hope that their yeah. films never die.
2: Me, me too. Oh my gosh, they—they're like, the ones who uh, brought uh, remastered. Um... Cannibal the Musical by Trey Parker and Matt right. Stone. Right,
0: I mean, they're responsible uh, for basically giving them a career.
2: Yeah, they did. I mean, and then, of course, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they kind of, you know, pay Lloyd Kaufman back by, like, having, giving him a little cameo in their movies, having him show up here and there. And I think Lloyd Kaufman even had a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy, who was one of the prisoners.
0: I think so, because James Gunn also started off with uh, Troma Pictures. He did a Romeo, or no, Tromeo and Juliet.
2: That's
0: right. Oh fuck! Now that's the one that actually kind of disappointed me. I mean, I I like the unique idea of it. It had a vision, but at the same time, I just I wasn't getting into it. For every good trauma oh, movie, there is one that I don't care for. Um, I love the Toxic Avengers. I love Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Um, Cannibal no, Musical fun. Um, uh, War, the Trauma's War was pretty entertaining. Um, I don't I don't even know if I've ever even seen Surf Nazis Must Die, which is strange because I thought I had.
2: No, don't. It's very boring. It's. It's really stupid. Uh, like it's, I couldn't. Even, there was like no parts that I could find funny. It, it was just awful. I'd rather, I'd rather watch Beautician and the Beast again.
0: Ugh, wow, that's that's harsh words right there, because that's a pretty rough movie. I'm just fat and That's my favorite. Uh, uh, Toxic Avenger, um, fourth right, one. Please. Yeah, the fourth one. I forgot that it even existed. I kind of moved away from trauma pictures as I got older. I just kind of forgot about them. Yeah, but I'm gonna watch yeah, the fourth one. Corey,
2: plus, it has Corey Feldman on it, so yeah. you know, Oh I, wow! I, I you.
0: And Ron Jeremy, right? <laughs> Isn't Ron Jeremy in that? Yeah, he is.
2: He's actually the mayor. <laughs>
0: nice. Uh, yeah, we watched the cartoon. We actually did an episode of Back in Tune's, one of our other podcasts, where we discussed Toxic Crusaders. If you're interested, you can check that up on our Facebook. Oh, Retro Rocket Entertainment. Um, yeah,
2: no, uh, I will say this... Uh, oh, wait, no, no, we're not. We're still on Toxic Avenger. We are. Did it's you like, know that
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be a co-star in a remake of this a couple years ago? Get
2: the fuck out of here. Yeah. Man.
0: It was... Uh, I remember reading that. And I was like, well, what the hell oh did he play? God. He was going to train the Toxic Avenger. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so it kills me. Melvin. Oh, Melvin on. is the one who becomes a Toxic Avenger. The guy playing Melvin... His spastic facial features kill me every single fucking time.
2: Oh, I know.
0: That
2: huge huge stereotypical spastic nerd that always gets made fun of.
0: Oh, he's like the extreme version. He is so nerdy, the guys in Revenge of the Nerds would be like, fuck that guy, we're out (laughs) of (laughs) here.
2: I know. Honestly, (laughs) Toxic Avenger was like Incredible Hulk meets Porky's on acid.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, and in every moment of it's so sweet, the part where they're taking the weight machine and he drops it right through his head, just boom! Oh god, yeah. Oh no, how about like his freaking costume,
2: like he wears a freaking tutu.
0: Yep, he wears a tutu, which is insane if you think about it. Though The, the tutu is kind of like disgusting and watered down and everything, so you don't really notice that much. Oh, what about the villains? They run that guy over on the bike! And then they decide, oh, oh you're yeah. not dead yet. Back up, blah, 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 blah,
2: I know, it's like this guy has like a crazy-ass addiction where he has to run people over and kill them. And, and oh, the, God, and they're high
0: school kids. Here's the thing. The movie is pretty grotesque, and it has some pretty sinister uh, things that go on it, like what we just discussed, but it is not mean-spirited. It's, it's, not, oh, it no, is, no. it's not a movie that makes you feel, oh, God, I feel horrible afterwards.
2: No, if, if anything, you cheer on for Toxie, because yeah. he's pretty much... Killing all the boys.
0: All right. Which is pretty
2: fucked up because he takes it into his own hands and has to create this huge psychological... Uh, never mind. We're not getting into that. That That's also... Could happen with Batman. Yeah. Anyway, Did you
0: notice Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei? This is her first movie. She is in a very, very small part, but you see her clear as day.
2: I'll ha- okay, I'll have to rewatch that and find that. I would have noticed that. Oh, I usually think yeah, that shit. Yeah. And, shit. and The other Turn person... On,
0: there is a person with a more dominant role in there is a prominent role. I mean... Uh, he is the bad guy in the fast food place where they meet the blind girl. Um, he is the villain in Death Warrant, you know, the Van Damme movie where he's in prison. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's in a villain in a bunch of stuff like A Racer in uh, one of those Under Siege movies. You see him all the time during the 90s, The Stand. Uh, I think his name is Lincoln Kilpatrick. No, Patrick Kilpatrick. Uh, Patrick it, Kilpatrick. Yeah, he has those huge oh. teeth. And he's, ah. Yeah,
2: but listen to his name, Patrick Kilpatrick.
0: I yeah, like, wait, it's kind I of
2: or another Patrick.
0: Oh, that's demented! Or, or are you telling me to kill myself? I don't understand what's going on.
2: <laughs> uh, anyway, also, oh gosh, damn it, it was on the tip of my tongue. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> that's the
0: second time that we've <laughs> that's happened tonight.
2: Yes, it has. Sadly. Okay, and as far as uh, going back to like the, the grotesque ways of killing or who he's killed, one of them was that you know, elder dwarf woman who happened to be like a you know a big. Uh, Drug uh, ringleader, which is why he killed her because yeah. she, she was actually very evil. Oh God! I, oh my! Oh my! Like he's actually—he's she, actually doing this. I can't believe. I mean, well, by all means, she, I mean she should die, but I mean, do we want to see it? Uh, depending.
0: Well, you know how well, movies, again, the movies over the last ten years—they have more of a—it's a, a growing sense of whatever goes, whatever we think of, we're gonna put in this movie, like hobo with a shotgun, wolf cop. Uh, that Kung Fury. Did you watch Kung Fury? I love
2: Kung Fury. Okay, oh so my God.
0: that kind of filmmaking, I feel, was born out of the trauma, because it's if yes, trauma you. got together and said, "We got this much money, let's go for the craziest thing we possibly can," and I think that go for broke kind of filmmaking was born there. Oh yeah,
2: you know, exactly. That's what I thought too. I mean, when I'm watching H- Hubble with the Shotgun, and I thought it was a trauma film. Yeah, That's it's exactly so what it felt feels like one. Like so demented and so grisly and gory and bloody and just absolute ass shit insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, Rutger Howard. yeah oh my god that's such a good movie I mean it's it's really hard to take though at times because you're like wow this is fucked up
2: oh god yeah it is and like some of the people that I saw in it I watched like as they were kids yes yeah as a kid up. from
0: uh, uh what's that soldiers movie toy soldiers Um.
2: yeah yeah the guy who played Alan yeah what's the movie he called it's not, it. it's
0: not toy soldiers it's uh, something steel soldiers small soldiers small soldiers toy Thank soldiers me. toy soldiers had Will Wheaton and Sean Astin
2: Will Wheaton why, why do you have to make them into
0: Quill Quill Okay, so I'm looking up Charlma's movies, and yeah, uh, we're talking about their two biggest franchises. There are four Toxic Avengers, the fifth one, possibly in the making. They had the cartoon, they had the musical, which I would have loved to have seen a musical of. And uh, the second movie we're going to talk about is Class of Nukem High. There's four of them. Three in the original trilogy, and then there is the new generation that just came out. And um, I've only seen the first one, I think. No, no, wait, I'm looking at this. I have seen all three. I haven't seen the new one, though.
2: Okay, I've only seen the first one, and I, I kid you not, I'd laugh my ass off at this one. But I prefer
0: you know, Toxie, but this one is really entertaining.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, yes, of course, it does stick more to like the whole high school era. You know, kids in high school doing drugs, having sex, and the effect of the nuclear, uh, nuclear waste from the... Nuclear power plant that's literally, I think, just on the fucking street. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, a, it's a very I, it's strange...
0: Just, the movie's not... It doesn't move as fast as Toxic Avenger, but it has more plot. It has a lot more going for it when it comes to, like, uh, characters and the actual storyline than Toxic Avenger does.
2: Oh, God, yes, I know. Oh, um, shit. I mean, then, you if you know, just at the beginning, you see that one geeky kid... It kind of looks like Andy Samberg, it might have been his dad, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just like straight up, just like drinking that gross nuclear water, and then just straight up bursting into this like toxic thing, trying to kill his friend, that one kid, and then jumping out the window, and then his face just melting. I did love I the special effects. That was pretty grotesque.
0: The 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 kid convinced me. I was watching him spaz out, and I was like, "What the hell is going on?" I was really entertained. I I thought it was uh, a, a great opening.
2: Oh, yeah, no, especially with that joke. It's like,
0: well, that's one way to evacuate. <laughs> <laughs> um, the poster for this is fantastic. I used to see this poster everywhere. Here's a weird thing. I was in a mall, and I went to one of those little machines. You know, you put the quarter in and get a toy. Well, they had these yeah. little rubber balls, but they were bigger than, like, your super bouncy balls. And on them, they had the artwork of troma Movie movies. Poster. They were selling Class of Newcomb High on a bouncy ball to children. What? <laughs> it was the strangest well, piece hey, of merchandising I've ever seen
2: well they need to, well kids I guess especially when you're like 12 they need to get out of that prudish fucking mindset and think, start thinking for themselves yeah get them started that early <laughs> uh,
0: so this movie wasn't as big as Toxic Adventure it did okay but it blew up on video it became huge in fact I think it was the number one direct to video not direct to video n- number one like independent release for that year that it came out so obviously people love oh, the movie shit. but um Back, mind you, back then, you had a lot of independent companies, so it's kind of surprising.
2: Yeah. Also, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not too surprised. I mean, it just it, the plot itself, it does seem, well, it definitely was a lot faster than fucking Surf Nazis Must Die. Because I was constantly looking at my watch and fast-forwarding, Surf Nazis Must Die. This, I wanted <laughs> to see every second.
0: Yeah, it's it, pretty it, like,
2: From, like, the dream sequences where, you know, they smoke that atomic joint and then they have sex yeah. and all of a sudden,
0: I looked away for a minute. I was working on something. I came back and I looked at that and I was like, I didn't. I missed it being a what dream sequel. So I was like, what is thing? going on?
2: It's like this giant rocket ship erection. Like, literally. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Now I, was looking at the was. Se- I was looking at the sequels. I totally forgot. There was an actor in there. The lead actor in 2 and 3, his name is Brick Bronski. Brick Bronski. Has to be a fake name. Let that sink in. Brick Bronski. <laughs> Brick Bronsky. He, I guess he was a wrestler. That's a fake name? I'm looking this up yeah, right now. That, that
2: sounds like a wrestler name or like an action star, like an action hero. Brick Bronsky.
0: I'm going to take you. I'm going to kill you to death, Brick Bronsky. <laughs>
2: Go ahead, make my day.
0: Oh, his name. Oh, No wonder he changed his name. It's Jeff Beltzner. Beltzner. Belt, Okay. That's still an okay Beltzner. name for a tough gay.
2: It's he? Yes, Beltzner. No, he sounds like the young little Jewish boy from across the street.
0: Oi! He uh, he wrestled for I've never even heard of the Stampede Wrestling, and then the NWA, not the rapper NWA, uh, the National Wrestling. He, the Associated. rap group, yeah, it's not just one guy. Damn it, Michael! <laughs> Rick Bronski and Ice Cube in NWA. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it for us with uh, this episode. Uh, all these movies are available on Netflix, YouTube. I pretty much think of any streaming place, you'll probably get it. In fact, I think YouTube is completely free. It's all, like, uh, ad-supported. Um, I recommend both movies, but I would say Toxic Avenger is the better one.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Hands down, Toxic Avenger. It did. It, it pushed the envelope first.
0: Uh, other other Tromo movies to check out, Tromeo and Juliet, Terra Affirmer is good. Troma's War is pretty entertaining. Um, I really uh, like Sergeant Kabuki Man, Rabid Grannies, yes. or I don't know how you say it, Rabid or Rabid. Uh, That's
2: great. Yeah.
0: The cover of Rabid Grannies is one of the most insane things I've ever, I've ever, ever seen. And I saw the poster so young that I am terrified to watch the movie. I don't know why. I'm sure it's going to be fine. But I am—it's already scary enough that old people, you know, just old people. I don't know why I get. You'll not
2: be happy when grandma
0: visits from now on. No, and then she <laughs> wants to eat your face. I'm like, oh my god! And then red, <laughs> Redneck Zombies is so atrociously bad that it comes back around the good. It's the very oh. first movie ever to be shot on like home video, like a, a, you know you pop a VHS oh, tape yeah, and you record it. Definitely
2: Redneck Zombies. It was just oh man, it, it was freaky as hell. Oh, you seen and, it? When I, mean, I was a kid.
0: Oh wow. Uh, Mother's Day. And I'm, like, uh, I'm
2: sitting there eating ramen, and this guy's eating brains, and then he just sticks uh, up the eyeballs, and then I started laughing. <laughs> uh, Mother's
0: Day. I haven't seen the original, but I saw the remake, so I should go, The remake is really good with Rebecca DeMornay, so I want to go back and watch the original. Uh,
2: really?
0: Monster in the Closet is awesome. Paul Walker's first role ever is Monster in the Closet, and it's highly entertaining. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was like, I think, 10. And uh, it's also Stacy Ferguson. You know, Fergie. Yes, Oh
2: My God, from Kids, Inc., and uh, of course, Black Eyed Peas, that's how everybody else would know her.
0: Yeah, so both of them are uh, um, very young, and it's also from, uh, God, the names that are involved in this, this is probably one of their best productions, because as Ke- uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator, and Harry and the Hendersons, he plays the monster, it has um, Henry mm-hmm. Gibson, who's always good, he was in like a bunch of movies like uh, uh, Inner Space and stuff like that, uh r- Magnolia, and then it was edited by Raja Gosnell, who would go on to do um, Never Been Kissed and the Scooby-Doo movies. So there's a lot of good names on this one. Oh
2: yeah, well, hey, you know, hey, George Clooney even started out in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all got to start somewhere, and if it's at least entertaining, cool. Killer condom, holy shit! Killer condom, I shit you not, it's a condom with teeth. <laughs> and uh, uh, oh, death shit. by death by temptation. I, I I recall seeing it. It's one of the very first Samuel L. Jackson movies. And of course, <laughs> uh, finally, I tell everybody go watch Cannibal the Musical. Watch the movie. Oh my God, yes. But then listen to the commentary track because they get fucking blitzed while talking did, about I the movie. They, have you heard the commentary?
2: Yes, oh my God. It was like the most funniest commentary ever. They're so drunk.
0: By the end, they are so drunk, I shit you not, they end up destroying part of the equipment. And for like 10 minutes, there's no sound. And then they finally get things hooked back up, and we're like, we're sorry, we are fucked up. We fucked it all up. Oh, God. You're such yeah, an asshole. And at the end, they go to a strip club. <laughs> oh, they have like a complete emotional breakdown at the end. It is the oh, it's beautiful. And the movie itself is so catchy. Uh, uh, spadoinkle is a word that is in my uh, vernacular forever.
2: When I say it's a spedankle
0: day. <laughs> oh, no, the fucking Trapper song. Oh, God, that is one of the craziest songs ever because that guy is completely tone deaf. But at the same time, the song is so catchy. Oh, yeah, one of the
2: guys. He's, yeah, he's
0: totally um, I also like the, 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 the characters in it are so absurd, like the, uh, the one-eyed Cyclops, or the Cyclops, like uh, Confederate soldier. Like, yeah. You so fight for the Yankees? You, you look like a bunch of Yankees.
2: <laughs> it's good to see some Southern Bulls. It's been a lot, <laughs> my long time. Pretty...
0: Oh, God, that movie's so good. It, so oh, many... God,
2: and those Indians? They're not Indians, they're just Japanese.
0: <laughs> oh, God, that is funny as hell. Um, <laughs> I, There's so many little bits and pieces. It's, it's been a while since I've seen it. You know who I love in that movie? Um, sure. Diedrich is his name uh, dean uh, dean Bakar or something like that he was yes. in basketball he was squeak yeah squeak scolari <laughs> he is a really good actor it's just the way he looks it must be hard to get roles but that guy is awesome he shouldn't be working oh, no, a he's lot
2: hilarious more. i love him as total boy in orgasmo
0: yeah uh, uh, of the three he's actually the best actor and yet he's the least successful which is uh, uh pathetic
2: because... had like little bit parts here and there he was in Rocky and bowling he was also in um galaxy quest and other movies and he's had some like guest appearances on south park but that's about it
0: yeah do you know this by heart or do, are you looking up as imdb no 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 i know this by heart How the fuck? I, you have a memory okay so me i have that thing i have a facial
2: like i said i can recognize faces
0: this is why you can do so many voices because you have like this photographic memory like you see it once and it's ingrained you remember whole chunks of dialogue i cannot do it But i have this weird vault of like just useless knowledge it just kind of bounces around in there hogwash you're the technical guy yeah i am but um, i'm looking right now it looks like dean is working like crazy if you look at his imdb all of a sudden he is getting stuff out the wazoo for the next couple years So good good for him good yeah i was worried all right um i we're kind of going on a tangent here but yeah cannibal the musical that is the pinnacle for them but toxic avengers where it all started you need to see that and uh, Class of Nukem High, I think, is our most expensive movie. And it also has great effects. I, I really enjoyed the monster at the end. It was really cool. And, oh, no, uh, or even
2: the headshot explosions. I thought that, oh, was, yeah. I thought that was done perfectly.
0: And uh, I think that's it for us. Seriously, trauma films is absolutely a necessity if you want to watch trash cinema.
2: Especially some of that you know, bizarre, funny shit. Yeah. Yes, do so. All
0: right, everybody, that's it for us here. Check us out on Facebook. We have a group for Trash Cinema. And you can talk about all you want with trashy movies or movies that are underrated that got uh, either trash belly critics or they bombed the box office. And uh, let us know if you want us to cover any movies because we're totally game for pretty much anything.
2: Precisely. Do so. Make it so.
0: (laughs) And everyone, be excellent to each other and have a good night. All right. Namaste and good luck, you guys.
2: Trash
0: Cinema. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Trash Cinema. I'm your host, Michael, and the Blue Beetle what? of this show is I, and the Booster goal hey. to me is you, Jacob! Okay,
2: I'm then. Booster Gold. I'm the one who wants all the attention. <laughs> I'm the capitalist prick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the schmuck who can't get anything right. We're the Blah ha, ha team of Trash Cinema, back in tunes, and whatever else we feel like doing. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I feel like I had too much sugar before this episode started, and it's all going to my brain.
2: <laughs> you're going to hell, Michael. That's where you're going for this. Oh, all right. Mm?
0: Yes, we are going mm? to you're a we are going to a cinematic hell where we discuss, oh fuck, surf ninjas and three ninjas. Oh shit. And this is the kind of recommendation. See, here's the thing: is most of the time I let my guest host pick the movies, and uh, well, this is the kind that I might end a friendship over. I'm sorry. It's so painful. I'm kind of mad. I know. I'm,
2: I know. Hey, we've had to endure
0: worse. Yes, we have. I would actually no, hey. no. Surf ninjas isn't that bad, but three ninjas. I I kind of want to. I am kind, of, kind of miserable. I I have aches and pains and the. Ugh, I don't know. I think it's the worst thing we've watched yet.
2: Well, oh, I know oh, some. I pretty much all those kid actors in that movie. You just. They're just complete shit. Oh, boy.
0: All I mean, right.
2: Yeah, I understand. They're kids. They don't really know what But come on. Look at Shirley Temple. Look how she turned out. Yeah.
0: Haley Joel Osment.
2: At, uh, Chloe Grace Moritz.
0: Yeah, three ninjas. Or, uh, I was going to start with surf ninjas. But hands. screw it. Let's just, <laughs> let's just jump into three ninjas. This is just... Oh, uh, God damn it. Um, I actually had to walk away three or four times while this was playing because, frankly, it hurts so bad inside. I, uh... It felt like the alien chestburster was coming out of me. That's how bad it was.
2: Oh, ow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Shoot, if I knew it was going to be that painful. It, it fucking I sucked, stop.
0: dude. I, I had to walk away so many times. Here's the weird thing is I remember watching this when it first came out and not thinking it was, I knew it wasn't good, but I thought it was like, that is a decent time waste I don't need to see the sequels or anything. And uh, I'll never watch this again, but I wasn't like, god damn, this is making me sick. Uh, this time it, it made me um, almost shit my pants from stress <laughs>
2: i gave you that much chronic and bowel pain
0: yeah it's it's awful um okay are you so sure the, wasn't
2: it wasn't that are you sure it wasn't what you ate
0: last night If yeah, maybe um here's the thing about you this have movie. the plot <laughs> is that these three kids are trained to be ninjas since childhood for no real reason no reason by the japanese grandfather by the way japanese grandfather uh, married a white woman. They had a daughter. Daughter looks nothing, not one iota, like Asian.
2: I know. Well, it doesn't have to, but still, I mean, no, still. Bruce Lee's daughter doesn't really. Uh, Bruce Lee's daughter doesn't really look Asian.
0: I think she does. I don't know. Last time, well, I'll have to. I'll have to look at her again. But, last uh, time but I that, remember, that's that's uh, MAC like, Masters. That is the smallest, tiniest little speck of. Eh, that doesn't make sense. This movie is crowded, jam packed up the wahoozi with nonsensical bullshit. Uh, What is the first thing that bothers you about this movie?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know where to start. If I don't remember, or if I stall, I'm sorry, I really tried to erase this shit from my (laughs) mind. Because I would rather, I would rather, you know, pour honey over my testicles and just have wasps come in and sting (laughs) them and then shear off that excess skin and then, or pour vinegar on the wound and then have that excess skin worn as a As a cap by a Nazi, then have to watch this movie again.
0: I would rather someone take a school of fish, shove them up my ass, no lube, then have a bear come in and claw the fish out.
2: Oh no, you, Michael. Yes. You always talk about getting things shoved up your ass. I do.
0: I do. I think I might have an ass fetish.
2: Uh, yeah. No, you and me both, pal. I love ass (laughs) too, but not that much.
0: All right, no, so, I, well, I, I didn't talk I, about I, it in a positive sense, but I obviously have some sort of preoccupation with the butt. Um, with this, my biggest problem uh, uh, right up front is Victor Wong from Big Troll in Little China. Lovable in that movie. Lovable in I think he shows up. That's he's the only a, good thing about this. He's actually, like, likable in this movie, but the, the, the fact that we're supposed to believe that he's a master ninja when he looks like a bag of crushed walnuts, <laughs> it, it makes no sense. Uh, he is severely out of shape, and every time he does anything besides say dialogue and hug the children, it's obviously a stunt double flipping all over the place.
2: Oh yeah, that much is certain. But then again, hey, you know, no one ever thought he'd be, you know, a great sorcerer. Like he wasn't great trouble oh, with little well, China. Come so. on, hey. come
0: on, that's all missed. Oh, whatever. I'm not even gonna try to make sense of that. One. <laughs> I was about to, yeah, I was no. yeah. to make a logical argument of that, but I like fuck it, and just leave it alone. Um, no. Yeah. So he's right. the master ninja. He's teaching these three little kids. How to be as powerful as he is. And uh, how can I say this? The kids aren't even endearing. They're not cute. They're just annoying. In fact, they might be psychopaths. Did you notice there's One- a scene where he, they're in the car with their grandfather and they're talking about shooting their teacher with a forty four gun? It's a song and nobody has a problem with it.
2: No, I guess. But then again, some artists are allowed to, you know... Express themselves in certain ways.
0: Are you referring to these children as artists? Are you no? Legi- not okay. the children. Ugh, I think it's ugh. talking through a song. Yeah, yeah. They were singing a song about shooting their yeah. teacher with a gun, and I was like, "What the fuck? This is a kids' movie."
2: Yeah, I know. Oh, well, you know, a lot of kids do that. You know, playing army, and, you know, cowboys and Indians and all that, and especially these days, it just seems normal because considering how many kids play Call of Duty.
0: I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome, also disturbing.
2: I'm pretty sure Tum Tum had an eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he hate, he. Ate That's a lot the of youngest pizza. of the bunch. That was the one I always, you know, I always played at. Whenever my brothers and I played Three Ninjas, I always had to be Tum Tum. Oh, oh, you
0: actually played this. Oh, I have to say this. You recommended a movie that is Kim Jong Un's favorite film of all time. I did. This is his favorite movie. He loves it so much. In fact, that his father paid for a Korean remake of Three Ninjas.
2: Oh my god. Oh fuck. Lock me up and throw me away. I've done something so terrible. Oh my god. We're spreading something that Kim Jong un loves.
0: This to me counts as terrorism. This movie is film terrorism. Oh shit, I'm going
2: to i I'm going to hell. I'm already gonna be locked up. Yeah. Watch it. I feel like it's gonna bust out my door right fucking
0: (laughs) now. (laughs) On this day, did you recommend three ninjas? I don't know, man. I'm sorry, I didn't know better. (laughs) Um I keep saying
2: um I hate that Okay, if Kim okay It's already bad we, we can't even discuss This movie anymore Because Kim Jong Un No it. right
0: It's his favorite movie I want to know What his whole list is Is it just like Filled with these Shitty movies from the 90s Is Masterminds on there Is Kazam on there Oh my god Holy Uh shit Turner and Hooch Oh no actually I You, know, it you know
2: what was Really fucked up Someone in North Korea Actually got executed For watching a Hollywood movie Why That's their only crime Wait
0: wait wait wait! Three Ninjas is a Hollywood movie Did they watch The interview
2: I don't know That might be what happened in North Korea.
0: That's crazy. All right, three ninjas. Sum up the plot. It's basically uh, take everything you love about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, strip all of that away, and then add in the shittiest parts of Home Alone. There you have it. That's three ninjas. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. To, uh, so, Grandpa, I know. Concur. Grandpa is Splinter. The three ninjas are basically the four ninjas combined, except no cowabunga dudes. Um...
2: Well, Puntum would have to count as two as he gets older, because I'm pretty sure he becomes obese.
0: Yeah, all those all those jelly beans, he's going to end up with, di- with diabetes. Yeah, he'll be the like only ninja with diabetes. Um, in, in, and, in, and
2: Colt seems like a sociopath.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I, the kids in that movie like, Colt, we should call you Mustang. What kind of name is Colt? I What? I didn't understand that line. Most of the dialogue doesn't make any sense at all. Colt 45. <laughs> um the damn it okay every time i say um i should punch myself in the face so if you hear me be quiet it's like it's because i'm recovering
2: from punching i'll slap my face to slap you later smack my balls (laughs) um no i just did it
0: again oh (laughs) you just did it again i did it's crazy uh three ninjas (laughs) there are three sequels to this movie this movie didn't make a crap ton of money it was 29 million dollars but it's it just killed on video it did okay internationally and it only cost you i shit you not two and a half million dollars
2: well it definitely made its money
0: yeah and the uh, director john Turtletob, went on to be one of the most successful directors in the world wow no, no joke john Turtletob. Hell oh, boy after this he directed cool runnings while you were oh, sleeping yeah. phenomenon instinct the kid you know the one with bruce willis and that one mm-hmm. kid yeah National Treasure is his biggest. National Treasure 1 and 2, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice bombed pretty bad, so he hasn't been able to do another big movie since then, which almost deservedly so. In fact, uh, the fact that he got as far as he did off of Three Ninjas stuns me.
2: It was probably Nicolas Cage's fault. Don't worry, he's not here today. He's not here today. Oh,
0: thank God, I couldn't tolerate that. Another day of his crazy... I can't do the impression, but uh, yeah, his ramblings are... Stop it! <laughs> I just
2: did it for the money, like when Richard Pryor did Superman Three. Nah, he did it like that. Yeah, Is that what it like?
0: I a A bit. I'm starting to wonder if, if you know he's not really there when you say he's there, and if you're making it up. I, I have problems believing you now.
2: <laughs> oh come on, you have video evidence. Don't come on. Don't, I do. <laughs> don't, don't, don't call me a liar. Oh, but besides, I, I look out for the throughout the corners. Yeah. Like you know, for spiders, just in case. You know, because sometimes. I'll, you, did I ever tell you about that endeavor that, about a wolf spider crawling through my crawling around my house on the floor
0: what's a wolf spider
2: it's a uh, like big like one inch big like spider if I you get bit you know,
0: by a wolf spider, a radioactive wolf spider will you turn into a wolf man or a wolf spider man i
2: don't know that would be pretty cool that is a perplexing question, but anyway, no so you know how I look around for like spiders before I go to sleep in the corners? I'm going to do that for Nicolas Cage now. No or kidding. actually, if I see a spider, it's going to have the face of Nicolas Cage.
0: Uh, I have, have, to have to a, a huge, huge debt to sleep. <laughs> 3 Ninjas, 3 sequels. Here's the weird thing. Okay, so the, the it, hold, go, hold it. it goes like this. 3 Ninjas, 3 Ninjas kick back, 3 Ninjas knuckle up, 3 Ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain. This is where it gets weird. For legal reasons, for some reason the second Three Ninjas movie, which was shot almost back to back. They released, uh, they shot the first one early '92, released it in August of '92. Then it was, uh, it did well enough that within a month they were shooting the sequel. But for legal reasons, I don't know what happened. They don't explain it anywhere. It got held back for three years. It sat on the shelf for three years. So that movie got released in '95. But in 1994, there is another Three Ninjas movie called Three Ninjas Kick Back. So part. Ugh. Part three is actually part two. Part two is actually part three. They are at least out of order. The kids all change. Kids must have been very confused watching this at home.
2: You no, know, I. W- you're absolutely right. Because when I know when I watched part two, they seemed older than they did in part three.
0: Yeah, but also a couple of kids changed. They only keep the middle kid. And uh, I think Colt. I think Colt. Uh, he is the only yeah, one but- in parts one, two, and three. But part three is actually part two, and part two is actually part three. So they're out of order. And then three ninjas High, new big Mountain thought- doesn't matter
2: at all. I thought Tum Tum was the same kid in uh, the. Maybe he third, was. Kind of you know what?
0: Three. I'm not going to spend my brain power trying to figure this one out. But yeah, it's, it's strange.
2: It just needs to burn. And then what And then that fourth one, Hulk Hogan?
0: Yeah. All four movies released in the theaters. I'm really surprised. When when Part 3 only makes like $600,000, why release the fourth one in theaters? Were they contractually obligated from the original production company? Because they released that one in theaters and it made 375000
2: Right. And also Hulk Hogan was in it, so everybody thought, you know, everybody still loves Hulk Hogan. And Jim Barney. Not as much a Sting.
0: Oh, can I say right now, Jim Barney is one of the most underrated uh, actors in history. Uh, he got no yes. due before he died. But um when you watch like he had a TV show and I want to do an episode about this later. Uh, we'll talk about Pee Wee's uh, um shit, what's the name of Pee Wee's Playhouse, right? Right. I want to. I want to watch Pee-wee's Playhouse, and I want to watch uh, Hey Vern. It's Ernest. It was only on for one season. Jim Varney plays almost every single character, and they're all so insanely different. That has a lot of versatility, and I think he gets no respect.
2: I noticed that in every single one of those movies. Like sometimes he'd be like this, you know, ex-military guy, and then he switches to this old woman housewife who retires in Florida. Oh my son, he
0: else. thinks I'm such a ball. Uh, I know. My favorite I is think the, he was in the Christmas one with it's, the snake. He's like, and they bite. And they're racist. and they squirm all you around.
2: You <laughs> know, in his spare time too. I mean, yeah, he smoked a lot of cigarettes and drank, which also, you know, caused the tumor in his lungs that was yeah. about two pounds and the size of a softball.
0: Good God, it's such a sad. I way know, to go and
2: too. it is. It, it's very sad. And and like in his spare time, he would just like hang out in his cabin, and just you know, do country songs.
0: We totally have to That's do. We have to do an episode where we talk about Jim Varney because I think his Ernest movies are brilliant in the fact. Well, up until about part four. Part four kind of sucks. But um, <laughs> his movies, Ernest always played someone who I think the general public thought was stupid. I thought he was more of an idiot savant. There's certain things that he knew very, very well. And there's certain things that he didn't. And the problem is, is he doesn't want to admit. He's too insecure to admit that he doesn't know certain things. So, therefore, he exaggerates and talks bigger than, you know what I mean? He just He's not dumb. He just gets over his head with things. Exactly. I can't believe we uh, went on a Jim Varney spin there. <laughs> That's yeah, the only okay. redeeming value of these three ninja was movies. Was he in the fourth one? What's that? Was he in the fourth one? Yeah. Uh, Jim Varney, uh, Hawk Hogan, and uh, Lonnie Anderson.
2: Who the hell's is Lonnie Anderson?
0: Lonnie Anderson, WKRP, huge boobs, blonde hair, married to Burt Reynolds for a while.
2: Uh, oh,
0: okay, now I remember. <laughs>
2: Burt
0: Reynolds. Yeah, oh, oddly, not the hottest one from WKRP. I always thought Bailey was hotter, not Lonnie. You have to see it. Uh, have you ever seen WKRP? Right. No,
2: I'll have to look
0: it up. Yeah, she she was cool because she had blonde, big hair, whatever. You know, they, In most shows, they treat those kind of women as stupid. But her character was very intelligent. She basically controlled everything, but no one ever treated her like... Um, it's hard to explain. It's one of those things where they, she, she could have been played like a bimbo, but wasn't. And it was a great character.
2: So she ended up becoming a villain and hijacking a uh <laughs> radio <art>. station.
0: <laughs> alright. Oh oh that movie. No, I was talking about WKRP, not the movie. Alright, so um I think that's a bit with three ninjas. I'm gonna go throw up and we'll come back with our next movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, alright, alright, give just give it a second, just let it all out. Yeah. And after you, are ready. No, no, do it like Chunk did. Just I had <laughs> to fake Tuke at home. Went to the movie theater. <laughs> Hi, <laughs>
0: Oh, our second movie is Surf Ninjas. Uh, this one is a gem in comparison to Three Ninjas, but compared to other movies, period, it's still shit. Uh, Three <laughs> Ninjas is one of those movies that is a product of its time. It reeks of the dude age. Now, this is something that I don't and think surfing. actually... What's that? And
2: the surfing dude age.
0: That yeah, totally... it's, uh, I started thinking about this while watching the movie. And no one's ever talked about this in film. But there is an era of movies, I say it starts with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Gleam in the Cube, which were in nineteen eighty nine. That is the very first launch of the whole dude thing. You know, surfing, skating, alternative metal, you know, not like Poison or War, but I mean like guys like Fishbone, Red Hot Chili Peppers, stuff like that, Faith No More. And then it kinda died with Biodome. Yes, there's Dude, where's my car? But that was kind of after the fact. That's its own thing. So between yeah, so between <laughs> Bill and Ted's, you had Wayne's World, you had Polly Shore, uh, you, and you had stuff like Surf Ninjas, where we were really into that kind of thing. Lots of bright colors, a lot of Kalibanga and yo. Um, it's actually kind of nice. I, I, it's kind of a positive movement, the Dude movement. Of course, but Surf Ninjas still not a good movie, even though it reeks of the Dude movement. Uh, what do it does. you it find? Smells of it. What do you feel is wrong with this movie, in your opinion? Just, uh,
2: you know, pretty much all the jokes, some of the cinematography, and you know Leslie Nielsen as a villain. I, c- he can like make his voice sound scary, but he's, I'm sorry, he's just too damn funny. I
0: yeah, no, no. I think it's. I think here's the thing: is the problem is with the movie is that it wants to be teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Sorry, teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but at the same time it wants to be like Naked Gun airplane. It wants to be a spoof. The problem is it never meets in the right place. You, the, I feel like when Leslie Nielsen on, it is a parody, and it's really funny. I actually really enjoy the whole like five minutes he's in the movie. And uh, when right. it goes back to the other guys, though, I don't give a shit. I don't care one bit.
2: I, Rob Schneider, you, I don't think you were that funny in this movie, although it's great to see Ernie Reyes Jr. and Ernie Reyes work together yeah. in that movie. The martial you know arts
0: are excellent. The martial arts sequences are really well done, so I can give it credit for that.
2: Well, they're done by Ernie Reyes. What can you expect? Yeah.
0: Uh, this is uh, supposed to be his breakout role. Uh, he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and was kind of the co-star of that one. And he started to build some sort of public awareness. Of course, we saw him in Red Sonia and a few other things before that. But this is like really when they tried to make him a star. Rob Schneider right. is Hawaiian. And so it's kind of cool that he gets to play an actual Hawaiian where he usually just plays, you know, the generic white guy. And yeah, and he's actually Filipino. Is he Filipino? I thought he? Hawaiian. Jewish. I thought he so thought he yeah, was Yeah, he's still, you Jewish. Yeah, right. I'm wrong about that. Uh, Rob Schneider, right. he tries, but the problem is the jokes are not up to his comedic talent. He's also a very underrated guy. There are times when he's really good, and when the material is not there for him, he's sweating so bad to make it funny, and it hurts. Right. It's bad. And it's got. Oh, to you know who
2: else was in this? What? Oh God, Kelly Hugh.
0: Oh my God, Kelly Hu who I think was about 26, playing like a 15-year-old. She looks good. She ages very well.
2: She's 47, and she still looks like she's just turned 30. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. I don't know what she has. I know they say Asians uh, look younger longer, but she's got something oh, going on. God. Holy crap.
2: Well, hey, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people still do. I mean, oh, some of the high, some of the kids I went to high school with yeah. haven't aged a fucking day. <laughs> I'm like, What? You could still throw an undercover. Oh my god, you could still go undercover at high school. Holy shit. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I no, I, it it's, it's bizarre. I mean, hell, even my friend, uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Kamal, all he did, all, the only difference I see from him now is that he just grew facial hair. That's, That's it. Surf, That's it. That's the right. only
0: difference. He still looks the same. Here's the plot of Surf Ninjas. <laughs> I'll break it down as much as I possibly can because it's kind of bonkers. Yeah. Uh, you got two yeah. kids who are obsessed with surfing, not going to school, and basically kind of rude to their dad. He says, they they, they psych him out by saying they love him. And it's a touching moment. And they go, psych. And I was like, fuck these kids. These kids are assholes. I know. It's
2: like considering all the shit having to raise them alone. Yeah. God, man. I'm trying to do everything himself without the mom around.
0: And so, basically, it uh, turns out that's not their real dad. That their parents were killed. That they're the princes of this little island. And ninjas are finally after him after all these years. They never explain why it took them so damn long to find them. And find them and try to assassinate them. So Ernie Rye uh, Senior shows up, eye patch and all. There's lots of eye patch jokes, one eye jokes in this that never work. And basically, he saves their ass until they figure out how to take on their powers. So it's a mystical movie too. They're almost like superheroes. Uh, Ernie Rye yeah. has a way of cool superheroes. He learns how to do all martial arts skills instant. Like he has like uh, almost that taskmaster uh, talent where he sees a movement done once and he can do it. And then the little brother. Uh-huh has the ability to see the future or see things that normal people can't see oddly through his sega game gear
2: not only through sega game gear but also he could see perception ideas it's kind of like um oh god who does have that power and that we know in the comics universe
0: uh psylocke i think am i wrong no um
2: psylocke i think she can channel energy but i'm not sure about sight
0: you got me on that one. I feel like there's somebody, but it's it's bouncing around my brain. And It'll come know. back to us eventually. Yeah,
2: but yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So the plot is you're just um, now. I, I think when he's turn when he turns that certain age, when he's hitting puberty, that's when his powers start to activate, and that's when he can come back and finally take over, take his home back. So they both hit Resilience puberty at
0: the same time. That's kind of weird since uh, he's like three years older. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. He's it's a late strange. bloomer. Indeed. All right, so Sega Game Gear obviously plays a huge part of this movie. Summer 93 is when Nintendo and Sega decided to get into the movie business. Both suck total donkey ass. Uh, Obviously, Mario Brothers was horrible. Uh, Worst piece of shit than this is. But Sega Game Gear, uh, they were not originally part of the production. It was already put into play, and they came to Sega to help them design sequences in the movie. And they're like, well, wait. Now, if you predominantly put the Game Gear in there as a plot point, we will give you part of the production costs. So, I think they gave uh, like two and a half, three million to the company. And uh, this is before New Line Cinema had all that Warner Brothers money. This is when they right. were still an independent company, riding off the money from Nightmare on Elm Street and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to take the money. It's like, you're going to pay for a third of this production? Fuck yeah. We'll put, you know. Come on,
2: take the money and run.
0: <laughs> I remember the game sucking ass. Uh, I, I hardly knew anybody with the Sega Game Gear, but I, I think there was a package where they were selling Surf Ninjas with the, the Game Gear, and a friend of mine bought it, and it was just god-awful. It was terrible.
2: Yeah, no, so, my brother had a Game Gear, but I don't think we had Surf Ninjas ever. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's One, a
0: big part of this movie, and uh, it's really obvious yeah. that it's product placement.
2: Yeah, it is. And, but I do want to say, I do say thing, a few things about Kelly Hugh. Yeah. <sighs> straight, straight up, she's a huge Star Wars nerd, like insane fan. Like I kid you not, she could go. She goes to Comic Con dressed up when she could. Nice, yeah. And she's still, she, yeah, she's still acting. She has little parts here and there. She was also a voice actress for one of the characters, Missus uh, Marr, in Nicely Old Republic* too. Well, she and was. She, in, she,
0: she, go ahead. I thought she was an Arrow, like uh, just last season or two seasons ago. Yeah, she ago. was
2: Chinese, She played China White. Oh, okay. And she was also, of course, Lady Deathstrike in *X-Men* 2. Yeah. And the Sorceress and Scorpion King. Oh,
0: hubba hubba! Oh my God, I I I. Uh... Let's just say I rewound that tape quite a bit. Paused.
2: You're a sick motherfucker, Mac. Zip.
0: Squeeze, 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 <laughs> Yeah, no.
2: <laughs> she would also, also play, she would have parts in a robot chicken. She would do like, you know, there's times where she was a, a voice of Jessica Alba or Olive Oil. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. She, play, she has a lot of credibility.
0: Yeah, and she's, she's the only so one, air. she's basically the only one to walk away from this movie untarnished. Uh, yes, Rob Schneider got a lot of work after this, but you know when your first—you know—it's his first movie where your name's above the title. It Took years for that to come back with, I think, Deuce Bigelow. And that was the only because Adam Sandler helped carry him there. It's—it's it's a much, yeah. very painful movie, but at the same time, it moves. This sucker moves. There's no really wasted time, whereas Three Ninjas sits there like a mm-hmm. dead, just dead fish.
2: Yes, indeed. Oh, but, she's also the voice of the Lady Shiva in Arkham Origins. I—I ne- I recognize that voice anywhere. And she's also the voice of Karai in the new Ninja Turtles cartoon.
0: All right. So I think that's it with those two movies. I can't recommend either one. It They're both free on YouTube, though, if you're curious.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I could definitely, uh, yeah, you, I don't want to repeat my statement over uh, what I said about three ninjas earlier. But, I mean, Surf Ninjas, yeah, uh, if, if you are curious, yes, dude, I would recommend watching it. Just because, just to get it out of the way. Sometimes it, it, it is to just sit back and watch a shitty movie just so you can make fun of it and get a laugh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, the Martial <laughs> Arts, the yeah, stupid, the Martial Arts, one Arts of the and, movies I would recommend. It's a bright, happy movie, but at the same time, it's going to make your brain rot a bit. But Three Ninjas, stay away, unless you have a morbid curiosity to wonder what was going on in the world where we embrace four of these movies. And
2: Tone, oh yeah, Tone Loke was
0: in it. He oh yeah, the top, trying to help him out. forgot. Yeah, he looks, he swallow, looks like he's I miserable the it. whole time. I
2: swallow my key every Tuesday
0: monkey cole medina
2: i got a frog in my throat i love him i love tone (laughs) don't give a shit what people say oh my god like pretty much he would have a cameo in almost every 90s movie he did show up a lot didn't he man
0: huh he showed up a lot in movies
2: yeah he did he was awesome what do you
0: expect all right everybody (laughs) i think that's it for us here at trash cinema this is michael signing off
2: all right have a good night have a good night everybody what do you usually say
0: michael I usually say, be excellent to each other. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And I
2: usually just just say, namaste and good luck you guys.
0: No, I'm done. I'm spent. (laughs) Good night, everybody.